than I, it keeps me in perspective, you know. But I looked in the mirror and he called me a has-been. And I'm like, a has-been? Like, bro, come on. Like, is that spiritual, you know? And I was thinking like, wow, okay. Why, you know? So my question is, do we have any has-been Christians in the house? No, no has-been Christians in the house? Man. So, I, you know, when somebody says something that I don't understand, I just got to look it up. You know what I mean? I got to define it, you know? But I was wondering why he called me a has-been or why, you know, I called me a has-been, you know? <laughs> you know, a lot of times it's because you look back at things. Like, a has-been is like, well, first thing I did was ask myself, do you believe that your best is behind you, that your best is ahead of you, you know? And that's what it boiled down to. I told myself, you know, if you leave your best is behind you, then you has been. That's why I said it, you know? So I looked up <laughs> has been, Christian, two different words. I think we all know what a Christian is, follower of Christ, disciple, you know? So I had to look at what has been. Has been is a noun, it's informal, it's derogatory. So I was right, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's a person or thing considered to be outmoded or no longer of any significance. One that has passed the peak of effectiveness or popularity. And I was like, wow, well, what makes me a has been, you know? And I think sometimes... I was looking at some scriptures, and it actually just cleared things up for me, you know? Because um, for the thought, you know what, you, you cannot be effective looking at the past. You, you just can't. You can't go straight forward if you're looking back, you know? And I was encouraged because I ran into a scripture, of course, and it's kind of going to be our, our go-to for today. Our passage tells about three men who Jesus traveled with, with his disciples, who he met along the road, you know? And we're going to look at Luke 9, 57 to 62. Uh, it's funny because we're doing things a little differently today because we don't have the projectors up and the scripture's not up there, so we've got to actually open up our phones or our Bibles. And I was tripping, like, I remember, like, just didn't have, I didn't have, the Bible on my phone. I just had my Bible. <laughs> I knew where the books were. I get right to them. I knew where my go-to scriptures were. You know what I mean? <laughs> now I know how to get to them on the phone, you know? But I was thinking like, wow, I probably can't swing it like I used to swing it and find the books like I used to find the books because I'm just so used to using my phone now, you know? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fast from using my phone as a Bible. And I'm going to actually just start using my Bible again, you know? It could be a tool. Brother be like, well, what book are you reading? Hey, <laughs> you know? The Bible, bruh. Have you read it? You know? Luke 9, 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first 
let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my father. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I thought, like, wow. You know, first thing I learned, it's like, that's, that's pretty, all them answers was pretty deep, you know what I mean? And some of them seemed like pretty good reasons, you know? So I had to, like, kind of break them down. Because I figured I had a pretty good reason for telling myself I was a has-been Christian, even though if I didn't know it yet. I said, oh, you know what, you got a pretty good reason for doing it. And the first one, I looked at, I said, you know what? His attitude was, what you going to do for me? Now, as I study things out, you know, I look at different uh, theologists and what they say about it and what it could have meant and this, that, and the other and their perception behind it. And, uh, and that's what I got out of it was, what you going to do for me? An opportunist. He said, as they were going down along the road, someone said to him, because dude said it, I will follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus said to them, the foxes have holes in the birds have uh, nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. <laughs> this man seemed more interested in what he could get. You know, I'm sure he knew. But, I mean, we think about scriptures just like, hey, my house has many, my mansion, you know, has many rooms, you know. Like, you get to live in a mansion here. The roads are paved with gold, you know. That's some nice living. But Jesus had to clarify it right away. Like, boo, no, wait a minute, you know. It's not like that. Man seemed more interested in what he could get out of the relationship. Like, if I do this with Jesus, what am I going to get out of the relationship? The easy life? Following Christ? I think those of us that follow Christ know that's not true. Not that it's not a good life, not that it's not a great or fun life, but sometimes it's not easy. And uh, the Bible says it. It says it's difficult. Who can do it, you know? Shouldn't there be a good life that goes along with it? And there is. Now, the second man, I was kind of studying him out, and I said, well, let me see about him. I'm going through the first two pretty quickly, because the third one, I like to just dwell on him a little bit, you know? The second man, I call him a fronter. I was thinking between people pleaser and a fronter. Because he said to another, follow me, but he said, Lord, permit me to first go and bury my father but he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. I thought, like, I didn't understand that one when I first read it. I remember as a young Christian, I just didn't understand that. Diego buried the dead. I'm like, man, if my father died, I should go bury him, you know? A person died, period, you should, you're supposed to. But of course, as we study things out, we study out traditions and things like that, we understand a different point of view, you know? Because uh, the way of thinking, it was a reasonable request for a man. He should be given permission to go take care of his family, bury the dead, and move on, you know? But see, back then, 
it was different. Your responsibility was to bury your father, but see, you, you waited for that. His father's probably still alive and could not even been sick because the attrition was that the son buried the father. So he was like, let, let me just stay here until my father dies. It could have been a week. It could have been a month. It could have been five years. It could have been 10 years. It didn't matter, but that was tradition. You know, he did that. He waited for his inheritance because the oldest son got the inheritance, you know? And he's like, man, wait, let me bury my father. Jesus is like, no, bro. <laughs> it's five, 10 years maybe, or longer. So it was different back then. The traditions were a little different. So when you hear things, sometimes we just got to look them up, you know, and see. And, you know, I, uh, I'm going to get to the third guy because that's what we're going to dwell at a little bit. My notes got all mixed up. Let me see here. Yeah. And I call this guy, first I said the procrastinator. Then I'm like, now this is the has-been right here. This is where people fall prey to. It's what we all fall prey to, you know? Another also said, and it's funny because Jesus spoke to the other ones, but this one he spoke up and said first, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I was like, that one really got me. It says, no one. Someone says, no one is fit for the kingdom of God. That gets a little scary. So you definitely got to figure out what he mean by put his hands to the plow and looking back, you know? And I was like thinking, I remember uh, I used to go over the scripture uh, about the temple of God you know, and how glorious it was, Solomon's temple, and how great it was, you know. And I remember looking at it and reading it and just seeing how um, they were shouting when they were building the second temple. They were shouting and there was rejoicing, you know. But yet the older people who had seen the glory of Solomon's temple, they were weeping because they had seen that glory. And it was like, this little temple is nothing. It can't even compare to Solomon's temple, you know? And I felt them. I felt like, wow, you know, even like I remember the glory days when worship was like this room, this wasn't even close. This right here was a midweek, maybe, you know, maybe. And we probably had to split it up, you know? And I was like, wow, I remember there. I remember meeting, you know, at the convention center. I remember meeting in all these different places. You know, and I remember just all these different things. And I, I said, damn, am I thinking that that was better? And I felt like, well, eh, people now just don't understand. They weren't there, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I just got so convicted when I remember when I, I first went on and looked at it. I'm, I'm going to read the scripture to you. Let me see. Because I think it's important that we always read scripture. I kind of print them out so that I don't have to look at my tight little writing. Zechariah, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Haggai. Now, I'm sorry, I'm jacking up again. Let me look at my notes here. I don't want to do Haggai yet. 
I want to do Ezariah first. Uh, 11 to 13. It says, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout and praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. While many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the shouts, the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of the shouts of weeping. Because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. And I was like, man, which one would I have been, you know? And I would have been the one, like, weeping, like, really, dude? Do you really think so? Good old days? Come on. And then I got convicted. Because God will show you the truth. You know, he just ask him. He will bring it out, right? And it really convicted me on just looking in the back in the past and how it hinders you, how you can't move forward, how you cannot have a future by looking at the past, even if it's good things, you know? Uh, and the past is not, there's a lot of things in the past that have just changed. Medicine has just gone so much further now, you know, cancer treatments, everything. I remember, my, you know, like I said, my mom died of cancer. It's a lot more treatments now that, that would have probably prolonged her life, you know. It's a lot more treatment for just everything. I look at the infant rates, the infancy, like mothers dying in pregnancy, like it was dangerous back then. They died all the time for little things that we take for granted, you know, that, that doctors know now what to do, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, moving forward is a great thing. But, uh, <laughs> and I probably went on for several months thinking how, yeah, the glory of Solomon's temple, nobody can compete to that. That was the thing, you know? And Haggai, verses 2, 1, and 9, God answered all those has-been Christians or disciples or believers, uh, people who glorified in Solomon's temple, and it was many of us. He says, and you know what? I was trying to find Mike before he sat down because I would jack up Old Testament names. To, he was like, what did that brother just say? So Lucky is not on the board, <laughs> so now I could jack him up and you won't even know unless you're looking at your Bible. But I'm reading the Avery version, so if it's a little different, it's the same. It'll be close. Only the names will be jacked up. But my, Mike's pretty good at pronouncing the names, so I got to give him his props. Next time, look for me, Mike, okay? <laughs> On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shelatal, governor of Judah. To Joshua, son of Zoadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, ask them, who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Zodak, the high priest. Be strong, all the people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. 
for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord says, Almighty. In a little while, I once more, I'm sorry, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the seas and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than that of the glory of the former house, says the Lord. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And I thought, like, wow. He said this would be greater. <laughs> As men, we look at the building. We look at the glory days. We look at what was built. God is like, you're forgetting about my presence. It doesn't matter the size of anything. If my presence is there, it is victorious. You know, I thought about David and Goliath. It doesn't matter about the size. The Lord's presence is victorious. I think about the little things in my life where God has just came in and just devoured and just blessed me and did things that I could have never done. Little things. It could be whatever, paying my rent. You know, <laughs> any little thing, I'm like, man, I can't do it, you know? To, yeah, somebody else, maybe $100 a month is nothing, but to me it was a lot. It was everything, you know? So I was like, wow, man, we're looking back at things, and I can't have a future. If I'm looking back at what God done before, I can never see what God's going to do after, you know? And it's like, man, that's just not cool. I was like, God said, man, I am there, and this would be nobody, I don't think, would be like, this is going to be more glorious than the Solomon's temple. But the people who hadn't seen Solomon's temple, they would just rejoice that God was here in this little space, you know? So it doesn't matter if it's little or if it's big. When two or more are there, so am I. That's what he says, you know? And I'm encouraged by that. I'm like, man, that is incredible. I can't look back. Looking back would just hurt you, you know? And I thought as I was reading it, he's right there. I was looking at it, and I was like, man, this guy says, uh, I will follow you, but first, Lord. I'm thinking, like, what is the but first? What is our but first, you know, when it comes to following the Lord? Lord, I will follow you, but first, you know? And I just go over the whole things, and I, be, and, and I just, okay, let me look at this from God's perspective. And I go back and I look at when he said, let the dead bury the dead. And I remember some people were like, you know, I wouldn't say non-believers or whatever, but they're like, well, how could Jesus be so cruel, you know? How could he not think of family? How can he say family first and then say something like that, you know? And I thought about the scripture in, uh, in John. Um, I turn to it. In the book of John, he, uh, uh, verse 19. And in verse 25, it says, Standing near his cross with Jesus' mother, 
his mother's sister Mary, and the wife of Clophis, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the follower he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here's your son. Then he said to the, father, to the follower, here's your mother. From that time on, the followers looked to her uh, to live in his home. Jesus loves family, you know? And I'm like, we, we got to view things the same way. Jesus is like, no, I take care of family. And when he talked about dead burying the dead, he wasn't talking about dead people burying dead people, you know? See, back then, dead person was someone who was spiritually dead, not physically dead. He's like, let the dead spiritual people bury dead people. You have work to do. You have a glorious, victorious future ahead of you, and I'm going to fulfill it for you. You know? So no, he was incredible and compassionate, and he made sure people were taken care of. You know? And I was like, wow, that's incredible. Um, you guys know the story about the elephant? No? It's a cool story, you know what I mean? Actually, and it's funny, it just so happened, I was, I was on a, my little Facebook thing. I get on it like maybe once every three weeks or something, so I'm a little behind on news when it comes to Facebook. I was telling people, happy birthday. I mean, that was like three weeks ago, dog. <laughs> but I was looking at it, and it was, it was an elephant, a baby elephant having a tantrum, you know. <laughs> and little parents was walking by, you know, and then after they was going to leave his butt, he got up and followed them, you know. <laughs> And uh, they were talking about how elephants are smart, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> but uh, the story was a man was traveling with an animal trainer in the circus. They passed through the area where they kept the elephants. There was a little baby elephant that weighed about 300 pounds. It had a rope around its leg and tied to a stake. It just walked back and forth all day long. I was like, that's normal. Then he went a few feet away, and it was a big 10-ton elephant. The elephant had a chain around his leg. His leg was chained to stake to the ground, just like the small elephant. And like the small elephant, the big 10-ton elephant was walking around back and forth. And the man asked the trainer why the big elephant didn't just pull up the stake and run away. The trainer said, when the 10-ton elephant was the size of a small elephant, he was tied to a stake. You see, elephants are smart. And it was etched into his mind that he couldn't pull up the stake, even though he is bigger than he used to be. If the elephant ever realized how strong he was, we could never keep him tied to a stake. And I thought, like, wow, you know? Things just etched in our head, the past that we keep in there, will never, ever stop us from the glory that we can do. It's like it's impossible, you know? If you can realize what the Lord is and who the Lord is and what he's given you, you know? If he knew what spirit was in him, I'm talking about us, you know the victories that we could do for the Lord? It says nothing is impossible for God. Nothing, you know? The mountains that you can move, it's like it blew me away and think like, man, how am I letting my past 
looking back mess me up, you know? And getting back to the scripture of the plow, it's like, you guys know what plowing is. Plowing is when you hold the little thing and you're making little straight lines and it looks all nice and you're getting all the ground plowed up. Well, see, if you look back on a plow, what are you going to do? Exactly. And if you look at your things, it'll be like this. Your path will be messed up. It would be a lot of ground that didn't even get plowed. And that's why Jesus said, man, if anyone who looks back, it's not worthy. In Genesis, Lot's wife, it wasn't worth it. The angels, she defied the angels. The angels said, do not look back. It's like, just go forward. God is with you. You know, and I, I'm not like, I don't understand why she didn't do it because I've looked back knowing that God was in front of me. And I'm like, man, this hers was costly. He said, don't look back. And she looked back. I don't want to look back. I felt humbled, like, man, all this time, I'm thinking the Levites and all them was just a bomb, knowing what Solomon's temple was and so on and so on. I'm thinking, how did that hinder me? You know, how did that hold me back? And it, and it was really convicting. It was super convicting. I was looking at a, uh, um, it was like a little, you know how you do video lessons or whatever? And they were just talking about relationships and how maybe your past is affecting your future relationships, you know? I don't do that a lot, so I don't want y'all to think I do girly things and think about relationships and stuff, you know what I mean? Because I don't. But just one day and this one time of my entire life, I just happen to be doing it, okay? <laughs> and I was like, I listened to it reluctantly, you know, for the whole half hour, you know? And it's really talked about relationships and how sometimes we're stuck in our past, you know, and not even knowing what the future holds. It might have been, I don't know, a movie you saw as a kid, you know? Like The Princess Bride was just my, I was a kid, it was my bomb movie, you know what I mean? I don't watch it anymore. I have it on DVD, but I don't watch it, you know what I'm saying? But I was so in love with her. She was just so awesome, and that dude, he was like so cool. I was a kid then, though. He was like the coolest dude in the world. I was like, man, I want to be like him, and I want to marry her, you know? I want to have my sword. It was just like, I love that movie. It was a good movie. It was a great movie, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, you know, sometimes those things are etched in you. And I'm waiting to be him and to find her, you know? It made me think that. Am I really allowing my past to stop me from seeing my future, you know? This one, um, um, it was a lady, actually, and she was, uh, um, she was writing some encouraging words. I think I wrote them down here. Oh, here she go, here. Did I put them there? Anyway, she was um, 
talking about um, just looking back. And she was just saying how she was thinking about her, her glory days. And she was young, she was prettier, and this, that, and the other, and all these different things, and how this and that was in her life, you know. But now she's a little older, and now things have changed, and how those were her glory days, and this, that, and the other. You know, and then she just realized how wrong she was, that she could never move forward, you know, by thinking that that was the best, you know, that she could never expect more if she thought this was the best, you know? And she could never accomplish more if she thought this was the best. And I was like, wow, how often do we do that, you know? So I went back to the mirror and I kind of apologized to myself and I expected myself to apologize back to me for calling me a has-been, you know? I'm like, you know, you're right. The truth is the truth. But what about now, <laughs> you know? You know, sometimes longing for the way things used to be can rob us of so many new experiences just over and over again. I want to close out with just three little tiny questions that I ask myself as soon as I find them. There you go. Because as I was looking at the three, Jesus said to the first man, count the cost. Count the cost before trying to follow me. There's a cost. It's not all glory. It's not all this. Count the cost. He said to the second man, leave it behind. Leave it behind. And we need to do that. No, we need to leave it behind and move forward. And he said to the third man, don't look back. There's the simple statements that we all need to just be blessed that we have the opportunity to, to, to see. And to close out, it's like, well, what is he saying to you right now? What is he telling you? How is he telling you to move forward? And how is you looking back, stopping it? Let's go to the Father. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for your kingdom. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for Christ, God, dying on the cross for our sins, God. And we thank you for allowing us, Father, to just glorify you, God, in many ways. God, we thank you for giving us a future, God. We thank you for having hope in us, God. We thank you, Father God, for wanting to protect us, God, and give us glorious times, Father. And we love you so much, as always. In Son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give Amy another round of applause. Come on. <laughs>